going on everybody hello again and welcome back to another episode of the watch report with me Jean-Luc Welch make some noise clap it up get excited wherever you are we are back with another jam-packed episode to open up the week as the NBA is back that's right basketball is here the coveted hardwood is about to be played on my favorite sport is getting ready to become underway we got all the latest and greatest news or rather my picks in terms of who has the most to prove throughout the NBA some of the biggest storylines but before we cover that we have to cover the world of the UFC that's why we covering combat sports on this episode as well because UFC 294 just took place and comes out Shemaya beats Kamar Osman Islam Makachev knocks out Alexander Volkanovsky but uh, not potentially to me solidifying his position in the pound for pound rankings all of that we're going to talk about on this show, the performances, all of that will be discussed right here on this show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Leave a like on the video, comment your thoughts and opinions on whatever we talk about. Subscribe to the channel and share the show with everybody that you know so we can build up this empire together of a channel and of a community. That's right. We're almost at 500 subscribers. If we can make this happen, my goodness, it would make my day. That's what I want for Halloween. Forget candy. Forget being scared. All that stuff. Bump all that mess. We want subscribers. We need people. That's right. And I can't do it without you because I love providing this content for you all. But again, also we're available on all podcasting platforms. So please, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, rate us five stars and get us up in the rankings so we can make this show one of the most listened and watched shows in all of the world. Absolutely. But with that being said, all propaganda aside, let's get down to nitty gritty. It's time to talk about sports and what better way to cover it than talking first about the UFC with what happened last weekend. So since it is a combat sports portion of the show, it is time to step into the ring that's right ring the bell let's get it started with round one going underway with Kamzat Shumayev versus Kamar Usman the co-main event of the evening with Kamzat Shumayev beating Kamar Usman in a very competitive split decision uh, uh, victory on the, spot, on the part of Kamzat Shumayev again I picked Kamzat to beat him and I thought it was going to be more of a mauling like we had seen from uh, comes out in the past like he did against Kevin Holland and others but again this was against somebody like Kamar Usman who was at one point in time the best UFC fighter in the world today the best of the three African kings when him Adesanya and Ngannou reigned and ruled over the UFC and with him moving up and wait to fight comes out tomorrow this is going to be comes out's biggest test as well as this is going to be Usman's real I guess come to task moment for us to figure out where he's at in his career after suffering back-to-back losses to Leon Edwards won by KO and then won by unanimous decision would this be potentially the start of a downfall for Kamar Usman that is one of the storylines going into this fight and with this fight now happening we can say two things. One, Usman is not declining in the way that I thought he was going to decline. Thankfully, I love to see him fight, love to watch him fight. He is not the journeyman or potential gatekeeper. That said he was going to be based off of this performance because it was close against one of the best fight up-and-coming fighters in the world today who were at his weight class, at a weight class that comes out to my was comfortable with because he was outgrowing welterweight. So with Usman moving up, and him losing, but in the fashion that he lost, I'm not to the point that I'm saying, okay, yeah, he's just out of it. He can still be competitive. He's going to move back down to World Twitter, and he can still be something special. He can still regain a title back at welterweight. Yes, he can. He is not out of the running of his prime yet, like I feared he would show that he would, would be at the end of this fight. But with that being the case, Give credit to Kamzat Shemaev in this victory because when he was on in this fight, this brother was on in this fight. You want to talk about an absolute explosive fighter. Kamzat Shemaev is a brother that will just explode and maul you when he gets the opportunity. And in round one, breaking down the fight now, Kamzat Shemaev came out like a ball of fire. Once he got his hands on Usman, he did not let go in that first round. Would not let him up, didn't let Usman have a chance to escape, attempted multiple submissions, and again, Usman is a phenomenal submission defender, and so him not getting a submission was very impressive on Usman's part, but still, 
being able to consistently have control on the ground, not let Usman, who is a phenomenal wrestler, get any form of stability, nor any form of, of essentially hope once he got him on the ground to be able to say, I can escape, just shows the real power and wrestling background and the dominance that we can see Kamzat do on any given opponent. That in itself is real. However, when after round one, we saw Kamzat Chimaev get incredibly, or rather his foot get incredibly pushed off the gas. Very much not trying to capitalize on the round one domination that we saw from him in this fight. And it also translated to round three as well when he wasn't nearly as aggressive as we saw in round one. When again, if he had kept on that same pressure, man, this brother could have had full control and potentially gotten him out of it. Potentially could have gotten Usman out of it. Not saying that he would have. I'm saying it's a possibility with how dominant that he was. And again, round one went to Kamzat Shemaev. Round two went to, for me, Usman because of how it slowed down and how Usman was having better ability on the feet. Then in round three, when it came to just Trading and ground game. Uzun was winning on the feet in round three, but Kamzat was keeping it a lot closer than it was in round one or than it was in round two in terms of the striking with Uzman since Kamzat was able to get Uzman on the ground in round two. And then in round three came to play, Kamzat kept the striking competitive as well as taking down Uzman again, mind you. Usman rarely, if ever, gets taken down in fights. So for him to take him down multiple times is a feat incredible of itself. Shows how good Usman is, but it also shows how great Kamzat is when it comes to wrestling and when it comes to the grapple game. And so with that being the case, in round three, Kamzat did enough combined with his striking and complete control once he actually got Usman on the ground was enough to win in the fight. Showed that when Usman's when Kamzat is on, excuse me, Kamzat is a force. But when he's off after that first explosion, it can be a problem. It can really be a problem. Now, granted, injured his hand, broke his hand, right hand rather, and so it hindered him from having the ability, in his words, in the post-fight interview, to be able to be as aggressive and capitalize on the momentum that he gained from round one. Completely fine. But in the past, we have seen when Kamzat gets on a roll in the first round, coming out like a ball of fire. But then in round two, if he doesn't get him out of there, he has to recover. It shows that there is that there is something to comes out giving his all in round one and then having to, or rather being forced to not be nearly as aggressive due to his stamina for the rest of the fight. Until he recovers, he can't really take on the task of just mauling that he knows that he wants to do. Which is part of his game plan. Because with that being the case, we now have to say, comes out to my, there may be some concern going into the Sean Strickland fight. Because again, the winner of this fight would have an opportunity, most likely, to face Sean Strickland for the middleweight title. Now that comes out as one, most likely he's in line to be the next up to face against Sean Strickland, especially with Israel Adesanya taking such a long layoff, in his own words, to take off of the sport. Now that we see Kamza and Strickland being potentially the next guys up, what we're going to see from them specifically in a five-round fight, how will we see Kamza Shemaev come out? And could we potentially see him lose because of stamina issues? Because if he goes this same route, even after fully recovered and all that stuff, after the hand injury fully heals and all that, understand him. Regardless of it, if we see Kamza Shemaev come out with the same ball of fire, and it's not successful against Sean Strickland. And now he's got to recover and then do it all again in round three and then recover again. We can see that fight go to Sean Strickland. And we can see him winning. Though I think if Kamzat gets his hands on him, he can get him out of there. But if he can't get the grapple game going and uses up all that energy, like we know that he likes to go all out in in the first round, in a five-round fight, can be a problem. It can be a problem. Because even regardless of the injury, there is still some real concern in terms of striking with Sean Strickland. As we saw against Sean Strickland have an outstrike Israel Adesanya, who's one of the best strikers in the world in the UFC, beat Israel Adesanya at his own game on the feet. And so it's hard for me to say, no, actually, no, not hard. It's not hard for me to say. 
I don't see Kamzat being able to just outstrike Sean Strickland. Yes, we know he has the power, but Sean Strickland, from what he showed against Israel Adesanya, is better technically. And so, with that being the case, it's going to come down to if Kamzat will be able to get his hands on Sean Strickland and get him on the ground and control him for the entirety of the fight and get him out of there early. And if he can't get him out of there early, now it plays into the champion's game. If it plays into the champion's game, we might see Kamzat, we could really see Kamzat lose. We could really see Kamzat lose. Before this fight, I was incredibly high on Kamzat Chimaev. Still am. But now I do see the holes. And I do see some tendencies I wasn't aware of before. One of the main ones being how when Kamzat doesn't get you out of there after the first bum rush, the first blitzkrieg, turns into a situation where he's got to recover for a full round. Has to. Injury or not. And since that's the case, going up against Sean Strickland in a five-round affair, it's going to be incredibly interesting to see if Kamzat will be able to have that same smash you, get you out of there, overwhelming level offense later on in a fight for a title when it gets to round four, round five. If it does, in fact, get to that point, which I think Sean Strickland will be able to force it to that point. Now, when you're in deep waters, there's real concern for Kamzat Shemaya. But based off of this performance, he can put Sean Strickland in trouble early. But if that doesn't work, now we get to some real concern. Will we see it? We'll, we'll only know for sure once down the line when they actually get to step into the octagon. But for the time being, there's a lot more hesitancy for me saying that Kamzat's going to be champion. I still think he will, and I still think he can beat. Sean Strickland. Now, so that he can become the middleweight champ. But, now it's a lot closer than I was expecting it to be. A lot closer. Partially because of Sean Strickland's performance in his last fight winning the title, and it comes out's performance in this fight with Usman to get a title shot. A lot closer than we may have expected. And now I can't wait to see that fight happen because it's going to be a real interesting Affair. But now, with that out the way, with the main event of the evening, Islam Makachev knocks out Alexander Volkanovsky to retain his lightweight title. After Volk, again, Usman and Volk both, both took this fight on 10 days' notice, 10 to 12 days' notice. And while it made Usman look great with how he performed against Kamzat on less than two weeks. Volkanovski getting KO'd with less than two weeks experience or rather preparation for Islam specifically. It's the risk that you run when you take fights on early notice. It's a, I, again, I believe that he was prepared, but even still not having a full camp, you still could be more prepared. And with him being KO'd like this, it is a, it's a concern. It's a risk that you take with any fight, but especially when you take a fight on such short Notice, but even despite that, Islam being able to knock out Alexander Volkanovsky gives him now real credence to say, or not, not even real credence, cements him as arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Arguably. Now again, we had on ESPN UFC, they had John Jones as the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. But right now, I would have to put, I would have to put, have to put, Islam Makachev on there. Because of, again, Volkanovski being more active, being the number one previously, and then beating him twice in a row, knocking him out in the second fight after keeping it close in the first fight, thinking it was going to be, again, the wrestling that was going to get Volkanovski out of there, if anything, with you being such a great takedown artist in Islam Makachev with Islam having such dominant ground game and dominant control in the grapple game in their last fight. And for Volkanovski in the last fight to have such a dominant stand-up game and to then get not only outstruck, but get knocked out early in round one in a championship fight, okay, yeah, we have to say it. Islam's the best in the world right now. Islam, for me, has taken that crown. Islam, I is the best fighter in the world 
pound for pound in the UFC today, in my estimation. And it's partially because that one of the biggest things about Islam that we all undervalued was his striking. Grapple game we knew. Submission game sublime. Almost second to none in the entirety of the UFC. Charles Oliveira would have something to say about that, though, with him being a submission savant. But Islam Makhachev, as well, a submission savant. Submission savant. In fact, that's how he got the title, by submitting Charles Oliveira. But with him now being able to knock out Alexander Volkanovsky, it, we took his striking game for granted. We really did. We really took his striking game for granted. Overshadowed by how dominant Volkanovsky was on the feet in their last clash. Even though Islam was able to stun him, drop him a couple times in their first endeavor, and in their first encounter, we still didn't see Islam as the dangerous striker, as one of the key pillars to his game. Now, we have to say that. We have to say that now. Landed that kick perfectly. Right above the guard, on the top of the, or rather on the side of the head, had Volkanovski on shaky legs and then ended the fight with the grounding pound at the edge of the cage. Nearly out by the time he hit the mat, out after the second punch on the ground. Islam Makhachev right now is the best fighter in the world. Fought incredibly. And it looked like it was going to be potentially close. A potential continuation of their first endeavor. Which how methodical it was. But Islam Makhachev set up the high, set up the high kick with lead kicks and a body attack to get Volkanovski to shrink with his guard so that he could land that high kick right on the side of the head, just above Volkanovski's fist. And that's one thing that Volkanovski has always done. He's always had his guard up. He's always been defensively aware. But he always left that top, the top of his head vulnerable to attack. Always. Whenever he would have that guard up. He would never hold it up. He would always hold it to his chin. Understandable. Again, fundamentally, that's how you're supposed to do it. But he would never hold it high enough to fully cover the side of his head. And since that's the case, Islam picked up on it, got him comfortable with going to the body, attacked the body, then went to the head with a high kick, got Volkanovski to duck down and duck into the kick right where his guard was most vulnerable which is right above his fist, and got him out of there. Great setup, great technique, great power. Fully, again, fully unveiled a very underappreciated portion of his game, and we have to now say he's the best in the world. We really do. I can't wait to see him fight Charles Oliveira again once Oliveira fully recovers from injury. That's the fight that everybody wants to see. That's the fight I want to see after this in defending his title. Love to see that rematch. But we have to say right now that he is the best in the world. We have to. No qualms about it. Have to say that right now, Alexander Volkanovsky, not Alexander Volkanovsky, excuse me, Islam Makachev is the best fighter in the world, even above John Jones, because John Jones doesn't have the consistency in terms of fighting enough to be able to have that claim. He just, he just doesn't. We, he, he can be the GOAT of the UFC as a whole. Absolutely. But right now, pound for pound, no. Islam Makhachev is the best fighter in the world. Absolutely, he is the best fighter in the world. Made us appreciate a part of his game that I didn't appreciate. And now we can argue he's one of the most complete fighters in all the UFC. Great world-class submission game. Absolute dog when it comes to grappling and keeping you on the ground and controlling you and the clinch. Now with power and a varied level of attack in his striking that is effective against one of the better strikers in Alexander Volkanovsky to knock him out as well on top of that. Oh yeah, no, he's right now we can call him the pound for pound best in the world. Deservedly so. And the only concern with this fight comes from Alexander Volkanovsky. Where is he going to be 
after this fight, mentally. Heard him talking about how he doesn't take fighting, or rather, he doesn't take being out of the cage well. He goes insane. Hopefully that's not a, that, hopefully this is not a mental situation. Really hope that's not the case. But regardless of that, he needs to be in the cage. He needs to fight. This is his home. This is where he thrives. But after getting knocked out, will he be the same Alexander Volkanovski coming into the next fight? And by the same, I mean having the ability to take a punch and take a shot. Not, I'm not saying that, oh, okay, his chin's done. Saw it against Usman. Usman got knocked out. Boom. Everything's great. We've also seen other UFC fighters once they get clipped. Now, their chin's never the same. And they can't take a punch, which retools their entire frame of fighting for the worst. Because now they get overly defensive on their ability to, oh, I can't get hit. Hence, I can't fully get into the bag of offense that I need to in order to get out of victory. That is what happens at times when we see fighters get KO'd. That's what we could see with Alexander Volkanovsky. Not saying that he's not mentally strong. Yes, he is. But we've seen it take a toll. We've seen knockouts take a toll on fighters. It's a real concern. It could just be that Volk, just his numbers up when it comes to Islam Akhachev. That very well could just be the case. And against everybody else, he's completely fine. Or we could see a situation where we see Alexander Volkanovsky now for the rest of his career not be the same Volk that was pound for pound the best in the world. We have to have that as a real reality. We could see Alexander Volkanovsky not be the same Volk anymore. We could. And again, I'm not even saying from the standpoint of mentally he just checks out. And it's no longer the same. No, I'm no. Mentally, I think he's strong. I don't think he's gonna get away from the game plan that we know that he knows that he can do. And that we all know that he's capable of. Fight in the style that got him to the point of being the best in the world. I'm not saying that he won't that he will get out of that. But I am saying that when he goes up against opponents now, if he does get caught again, we can see a situation where he's he just can't take it. He just can't take it. It's always a concern for anybody, especially a top guy, after they get cold clocked KO'd. Regardless, it's a question that must be asked. Because it's a question that can affect the career of a fighter potentially going forward. It really does. Because if you're vulnerable to getting caught and KO'd, especially after your first your major Boom, boom, KO loss. And I'm not talking about, okay, ground the pound, you just got beat. No, I'm talking about you got you got caught and you went down because you were knocked out. That's what I mean. UFC, yeah, you can ground and pound somebody and then boom, get them out of there. Fine. But I'm talking about in the UFC, if you get caught clean, like in boxing, you get caught once, boom, and you're done. That type of knockout. That's what happened to Alexander Volkanovsky. Spaghetti legs and second punch. Put him out for good. Completely. Those types of knockouts are the knockouts that can affect the fighter. Those types of knockouts are the knockouts that can affect the chins of fighters. And that's the type of knockout that can we can see Alexander Volkanovski potentially have to deal with for the rest of his career going forward. If his chin, in fact, is now no longer the same. If Chen is the same, okay, great. I can see him going back down, still reigning as, I believe, the featherweight champion. No problem. But if it's not, you keep a close eye on Alexander Volkanovsky. We can see that reign potentially come to an end in the future. It's a possibility. I'm not spelling the end for Volkanovsky, nor am I saying that he is washed or done up. No. I'm saying this is the type of loss that we need to keep an eye on for the trajectory of Alexander Volkanovsky. For the trajectory of a champion who is one of the great champions of this era. We have to. Very well, we could see him get back into this point and get another rematch with Islam. Very well, that could be the case. And I'm not ruling that out. Not ruling that out at all. 
We can very well see after this KO loss, he all of a sudden becomes even better defensively, plugs up a lot of the holes that he has in his defense on the on the feet, and turns into an even bigger monster as he climbs his way back to his goal of being a two-division champion. Featherweight Aaron Lightwood, potentially getting a rematch with Islam Makhachev, earning that right to fight him again. We could very well see that happen. I hope we do see that happen. Because I want to see him improve. I want to see him get better and better and better. I want to see the best of the best continue to climb and overcome the odds. Absolutely, that's what I want to see. But at the same vein, we have to say that while that is in, in fact what I feel will happen, what can happen can be just as detrimental with him being potentially a chinny fighter. Not being able to take a punch like he used to. Not being able to consistently have the ability to, if he gets caught clean, okay, I don't got to be as concerned. Especially going up against some of the better strikers in the division. Like he wants to go up against in a, in the in his next fight, I forget the brother's name, but he is a KO artist. Who he wants to fight next. Who we call Dana to get him in a fight with next. Because in his own words, he wants to be in the cage, keep him active, keep him busy. Applaud him for taking on danger after danger without any tune-up. Phenomenal. Great. That's how we want everybody to be. Embodiment of a warrior. Love that. In the same vein, the concern is still the concern. And we have to just wait and watch and see whether that concern, in fact, will be valid or if this will be the evolution of Volkanovski as a fighter going forward. Now we have to talk about the world of the NBA. That is right. Basketball is back. It is here. Finally, the NBA is upon us on tomorrow night. Tuesday, tip-off of the NBA season officially gets underway. We have gone through on this podcast over the offseason, all the latest moves, all the latest in breaking offseason signing that's been going on, trades that have been going about, all of this. We've covered who I feel is going to be the champions. I think it's going to be now the Milwaukee Bucks. Again, still, I'm picking them again, especially after Damian Lillard. That's going to be my favorite. Second favorites are going to be the Lakers and then the Boston Celtics as third but you can honestly flip-flop either one of them in terms of talent for talent perspective and then we've talked about the other dark horse teams all that stuff understandable now we need to discuss who's got the most to prove coming into this NBA season by most to prove I mean who's got the biggest chip on their shoulder who's got a statement that needs to be made about their career going into this season in order to answer some questions that have been hovering over them all offseason long well to start off with the very first one is going to be Zion Williams that is right Zion Big Z himself Zenos whatever the word you want to call him this man six foot six 280 290 pounds has been one of the most polarizing figures in all of the NBA partially because he's outside of everything that happened this offseason if you know you know my goodness talk about drama but in talking about strictly on court play this is a man who, when he's on the floor, can put up 27 on 60% field goal percentage with ease. The, one of the most dominant just interior scores that we've seen since Shaquille O'Neal, or even closer, Giannis Antetokounmpo, being able to get down in the paint and do whatever the word he wants to do. Efficient, effective, able, able to get, no matter what you put in front of him, he can't be stopped. A wrecking ball in this truest sense. One of, the, one of the best downhill scorers and just bucket getters, even though he doesn't have a bag in terms of being able to cross over fade, turn around Jay, three-point shot, this man will still give you 27 or 30, and you can't do a thing about it, and you know what he's going to do. Has the opportunity to be one of the most dominant players offensively in the league. Only problem is his brother ain't healthy. And can that's the biggest concern with him. If you are going to be as great as you are, can you be on the floor? Because when you are on the floor with all the rest of the talent that you have around you, like with C.J. McCollum, like with Brandon Ingram, like with, with Murphy, like with Hurd, like with the, the legitimate depth that you have on that team, you all can be a dark horse to upset a lot of real contenders in the NBA in the playoffs. 
and build something special for the future, especially with that big three core that you have with McCollum, Ingram, and you, Zion Williams. But you can't stay on the floor. Either you've been overweight, and all, no, not even either. It's been you're overweight, and you're always hurt because of it. Your body, you aren't you weren't taking care of your body in the sense that you needed to in order for it to have long-standing success. And because of that, all of the ability and athleticism that you had in your disposal, your body literally was not built to handle it. And I've been one that's saying that weight wasn't an option, or rather weight wasn't an issue, excuse me, with Zion, because he's a unique guy with genetics that can take that much load with that much explosiveness to be able to jump at 290. But now we see that that's not the case. Now we see consistently you you have to get your body right if you want to be able to be prepped, primed, and able to utilize the entirety of your game to be able to take your team where you need them to go. Because you are the best player on the floor. You are. Of that big three, you are the best guy. And if you are able to be healthy and consistently play at the 27-point-per-game level that we've seen you be able to play with, you can take your team incredibly far. But that is only if you show us that you have done the work to put in the success that you want to put in for this team. Because if not, what are we going to say? Now it's time to trade them. Your production this season, or rather your consistency this season, because production I'm not concerned with. It's your consistency this season. It's really going to dictate whether or not the Pelicans need to really start looking at maybe moving you off of their roster. Really. Even though they just acquired you with a big three, or we just acquired a big three to surround you, along with the contract that you have with them. It doesn't matter. At this point in time, it could be a... a a uh, situation of depreciating returns. Though you have an incredibly high skill level, you are not available. And one of the greatest abilities is availability. And you being not available really can make the Pelicans think, maybe we do need to move on. Maybe we do need to trade them. Maybe we do need to look to retool around Ingram and McCollum and get another different third-piece star to pair with them. Because as much as Zion Wilson can offer to us, he can't offer anything in reality because he can't play more than 30 games a season without having to be out for the rest of the year. Can't even play half a year without getting injured. It was going to be up to Zion to show that the work that he put in the offseason, all the pictures, all the poses, all the offseason dunks, all the weight loss, everything that you've shown this offseason is really coming to fruition when it comes to the in-season play. Because if not, it's going to be saying it might be time to, to move on from you. Because you could be another Greg Oden situation. Great talent, great ability. Another Sam Bowie situation. Great talent, great ability. But you can't stay healthy enough to utilize it like you need to. And eventually... That athleticism is going to leave sooner rather than later. And now we're stuck with it. That really could be what could happen. I don't want that to happen. I want to have a, a, a great 18 to, uh, preferably, with any athlete, 18 to 20 years of just great dominance. Yes, I know that's LeBron-esque level, KD level, just sustained ability. I'm not saying he's, he's going to perform like that. But at minimum, 10 straight years of just great ball. We'd love to see that without injury. We'd love to see that. But if he doesn't take care of himself, what can we say except for he failed himself and the organization will move on from him? So that's a, that's a player who's really got something to prove. As well as Jalen Brown with the Boston Celtics. Yes, Jalen Brown just signed a max contract. Yes, he's got all that money. Yes, the Celtics are looking to pair him and take him together long term. We get that. Now that you've gotten Christophe Porzingis and has been touted in terms of the Celtics as now arguably the best team in the NBA with the best odds of getting to the NBA Finals out of everybody in the NBA, East or West, including the Denver Nuggets, who just won a chip, including them, you now have the tools 
to be able to make a run and finally get the championship that has eluded you all these years with this whole Tatum and Brown duo as, as, as long as, as it's been together. The problem is, will Jalen Brown show up like he needs to to be the second best player to, be, to do his part to bring this team over the top? Because it's supposed to be another big three with Kristaps, Tatum, and Jalen Brown. Problem was, what we saw from Jalen Brown last year, a man that folded, all because the brother can't dribble. Left hand, absolutely abysmal. Has tunnel vision. Doesn't pass at times when he needs to. Gets too trigger happy from time to time. Offensively, he can't be great. Don't get me wrong. Defensively, he's great. He can't, oh, excuse me. He's good too great. Especially when he's on. He can be a great defender. But offensively, he can be right there with Tatum at times. Sometimes they're not playing him. Sometimes. But more often than not, he'll play good. But we've seen more and more so, more than I would like, Jason Tatum, not Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown play below his level, below what he's getting paid, making dumb decisions, making stupid shots, losing the ball, doing too much with the ball in his hands, causing his team to suffer, causing reckless turnovers, causing stagnation in the offense. Causing you to get behind further and further when you're trying to make a comeback. Or losing you the momentum that you had going into the second half. Whatever scenario you want to put it in, there's some way, shape, or form we have seen Jalen Brown consistently fold under the pressure. Or just fold in general, even when there isn't any pressure. And it wasn't apparent when he wasn't getting the money, but now that he's getting money, everybody's been paying more attention to him. And since paying more attention to him, we see these issues, and we see why, as great as this team has been, they haven't been able to get over the hump like they need to. And so with Jalen Brown this season, with the money that you just got, will you play up to par? Have you fixed the wrongs that you've had in your uh, uh, um, ability, like dribbling, like better shot selection, like being able to pass out? at a more consistent rate. Like not turning the ball over. Like we saw you do last season. These types of concerns, if you play up to par and you get away from those bad habits and have fixed your left hand dribbling and have become smarter with the ball, you get that right. Y'all are in line to win the championship. Absolutely. With this Celtics team, if everybody plays up to their caliber, they're in line to win a championship. You have no doubt about it. But if they don't, specifically if Jalen Brown doesn't, specifically if Jalen Brown doesn't, all of it's going to be a pipe dream. It's up to Jalen Brown to show that he has really done the work and has proved himself to be worth the max money that they got that they paid him. Worthy to be Jason Tatum's second running mate. Where did it be the second guy on this team? Because if not, moving on, that's what's going to happen. Or rather, if they don't move on, they're just going to keep on failing over and over and over. Never getting to that threshold or getting over that threshold of becoming a championship winning team, not contending team. Two different distinctions. Jalen Brown's going to be one of the biggest reasons why they either do or don't ascend from where they are right now. Speaking of ascending, next player that X has something to prove is Anthony Davis. Of all the competitors, all the top athletes in the world today, AD's probably got one of the biggest chips on his shoulder being because the Lakers have done everything right and have made diamonds from coal with this offseason moves that they made. Rob Palenka, phenomenal, signed a bunch of people, re-signed Austin Reeves, re-signed Hachimura, got Gabe Vincent, who was a great playoff performer last season, signed Cam Reddish, signed a Terion Prince, signed a bunch of great core pieces, Christian Woods, Jackson Hayes, everybody from top to bottom on this team is built to legitimately win. And seemingly, they all complement each other. Play defense, lengthy, strong, 
can shoot the three, can get out in transition, can switch on everybody. This team looks like it's built to be able to come out of the West and win a title. Better than they were last season when they got to the conference finals, getting swept by the Nuggets, and potentially on par with the 2020 championship winning team. Potentially. I'm not saying they I'm saying potentially. This team is constructed in a similar way to that 2020 championship squad. They've got everything necessary. LeBron looking like in the preseason, fully healthy with that foot surgery, back to 100%, mowing people down, got a stroke from three, looking like he's ready for to take on the world and be the same LeBron that we've seen him in the past. Potentially even better, because mind you, LeBron's been averaging 27 consistently over these past couple seasons before, and nearly 30 over these past couple seasons before injury has nullified his offensive ability to an extent. He went from nearly 27 to 29 to scoring 26 and 25 points a game after he heard a pop in his leg. In the season before, I think he heard a pop in his knee. Something of those lines. Playing through injury throughout the rest of the year. But before the injury, was averaging nearly 30, if not averaging 30, a game. So, if AD plays up to his caliber and LeBron stays fully healthy, we got ourselves potentially a championship winning squad. With Anthony Davis finally potentially ascending to being the best player on the Lakers. But if not, it's going to be another underwhelming season. In the Tricky part is, it's the same thing with Zion. Health. Healthy Anthony Davis is the best Anthony Davis. If he's healthy and can play, phenomenal. But when he puts everything together, he can't perform. As in, he's not on the floor. Whenever Anthony Davis is a tale of two situations. On one half, he can have offense and defense playing sublime. Averaging 27 points with 14 rebounds and two blocks a game. Being one of the best defensive players in the league while also being one of the best offensive players in the league. But what's the trade-off of that? He can't play more than 40 games a season. Going to get injured and going to be out multiple times in that year. Or let's say he's able to play healthier like he played last season. Mind-bogglingly healthier than he's been over the past couple of years. One half of his game is great, and the other half of his game is subpar to Anthony Davis' standards. What do I mean by that? Offensively, he'll give you 20 to 22. And then defensively, he'll give you 14 and 2. So he'll be great on the defensive end, don't get me wrong. But offensively, he won't be what he can be. What we've seen him as. Now, granted, we've seen him attempt to get better and better at being a dominant interior presence, no longer taking mid-range shots and shooting inside the arc, using his size and athleticism to overwhelm anybody in his way. We've seen that happen, yes, absolutely, but it's never been completely like it was in 2020 or like it was before he got traded to the Los Angeles Lakers in that first season with the Los Angeles Lakers when both offense and defense were at a top five caliber level. When both of his aspects of his game were legitimately up there, really up there. When both aspects were up to par to a point that we were questioning whether or not he or Kevin Durant, who was better. When AD was at the height, height of his powers. Being a great defensive player while averaging 27 points a game consistently throughout the year. We're giving legitimate arguments on whether or not he was better than Kevin Durant at one point in time. Anthony Davis can get back to that. But will he get back to that? Because if he gets back to that, boom. Another, just like with Jalen Brown, propels their team to a championship in, in very high regards or in a very serious aspect, can propel them to a championship. If not, win them a championship with how good the Lakers were looking last season. With this team, oh yeah, they can win a the championship. They can, they can win it. 
they can win it. At minimum, be guaranteed to come out the West for a shot at a title. But it's up to Anthony Davis to play through injury, not even play through injury, be not as injury prone. And when he does get hurt, play through it. And then finally combine both his offensive eliteness and defensive eliteness into one congruent game. Not having one aspect of your game being elite and the other one being subpar by your standards. With the, the subpar portion normally being the offensive portion. If AD can average 25 to 27 this season and still sustain the great defensive ability that he had last year and in years prior, yes, championship. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Championship team. That if they keep it all together, can potentially run it back. But if not, we're going to look again and say, AD, brother, what are you doing? Why is this a consistent problem with you every single year? Because we know you're better than this. We've seen you play better than this. All of a sudden, now it's a constant barrage of injury prone, injury prone, not tough, not tough, or one half of your game being lax. You were able now, now you're dominating on the inside, but you can't shoot the mid range, nor the three. And now you're being encouraged to shoot six threes a game by Darvin Ham. When in the past it was, you keep shooting mid ranges, but we are dominate down low. It's a Get everything together as Anthony Davis. You can potentially become the best player on your team and lead your squad to a title. With that roster, you can lead your squad to a title. Yes, you can. But that's what you have to prove because we are fed up as fans. Lakers fans are not fed up with constantly having this will he, won't he, won't he mentality of Anthony Davis in terms of will he ascend or will he consistently be hurt? and lack one aspect of his game or another. In terms of offensively, will he finally be great as he is on, on defense, or will it be the same one half or another? That's what the concern is for him. That's the biggest chip that he's got on his shoulder for him. Will he or will he not come through? That's what that just, just said to be seen. But until then, is what it is. And then... To a lesser extent, but still to a big, to a serious extent. Ben Simmons and John Morant. Ben Simmons, because of the fact that Ben Simmons has been showing preseason and offseason, hyping up, okay, he's changed, he's better, he's back to what, he's back to form, back to mentally where he needs to be, playing like the Ben Simmons of old, he's ready to dominate. Will he show it or will he not? Because we've been saying this for three years. He's got to improve. He's going to get better. We've seen it on Instagram. I've covered this multiple times over multiple seasons. Ben Simmons is going to, I think he's going to be able to make the turn. What Ben Simmons are we going to get? I ask that again. What Ben Simmons are we going to get? Are we going to get the elite Ben Simmons? Are we going to get the Ben Simmons of old, at least back in Philly, which I would love to see, minimum. Just get the Ben Simmons of Philadelphia when he was rookie of the year. When he was all defensive. When he was an all-star. That Ben Simmons, even if he can't shoot, I'll take that 10 days out of the way. I'll take that I'll take that 11 ways to Sunday. I'll take that at the drop of a hat. Absolutely. If we could just get that Ben Simmons back. Or we're going to get a Ben Simmons that again folds mentally un- not tough. Nowhere close to where he needs to be. Isn't even utilizing his previous skill set that we've seen him be able to become a top 25 player in the league at one point in time. That's all I'm asking. Just get back to that and we'll be good to go. If you never got out of that 15 and 10 in terms of 15 points and 8 to 10 assists a game for Ben Simmons, I'll be, comp- I'll be completely happy. Just to see that Ben Simmons on a consistent basis. But what we've seen, preseason, Ben Simmons attacking the rim, Ben Simmons being de- definitive with his movements, not hesitating, playing fluidly, even willing to take mid-range shots and actually making them. All of this we've seen before in the offseason. 
But in the regular season, doesn't translate. Will it translate this time? Or will it be more of the same of us saying Ben Simmons is back to, well, he's just not ready. He's just not mentally there. He's still looking to get back to what got him into the NBA in the first place. Hopefully we see it. Because I've been, I've been wanting to see Ben Simmons play phenomenally. Been wanting and waiting to see it. Will he? It's up to him. It is up to him. Because we know what he can do against the rest of the league. Will he be that same level of monster that we've seen him be in the past? And by monster, I mean a diming driving force. That's what he was. He could give you 15 to 20 just on getting to the wreck and then passing out. So what you want about how he couldn't shoot didn't matter. Still, he was able to be effective and provide something. Will you, Ben Simmons, provide something to your team on the Brooklyn Nets, or will you just be a bum like you've been for the past couple years? That's where this whole thing boils down to. And then finally, John Moran. Specifically, not on the court, but off the court. Will we see him finally get his act right and consistently play for the Memphis Grizzlies? Will we see it? Because first it was a fake gun, or first it was a real gun, then it was a, a lighter in the shape of a, of a gun that you again post on social media, which got you in trouble again. All this stuff, understanding what the league is all about. We've covered this before. We've already covered this on this channel. Absolutely, you can go back and watch it. But will you be able to keep your on-court stuff strictly on-court and get off-court or off the court, get your essentially priorities in order? I'm not saying you're not smart. I'm not saying that you don't need to be you. But understanding that what you've been doing over these past couple months has been jeopardizing your brand and jeopardizing your place in the league, jeopardizing your money, jeopardizing your family in terms of how you can set them up for life, jeopardizing everything that you've been working for in your career. Will you now, in this season, after your suspension is, is served, get everything right and put all this behind you? Not trying to turn you into a company manager, trying to make you abide to the man. No, be you. Because being you in terms of job rent is why you've been so marketed. But at the same time, you've let outside influences now get you in, a, in hot water that you had no business getting into. None whatsoever. And you're risking, if you mess up again, incredibly severe punishment. Incredibly severe. Risking more than it's worth. If you go down this route again in your off-court happenings, keep that clean, we're good. Mess up again in the same vein, we're looking at some, we're looking at, I don't even know. I don't, I, I don't even know. I really don't know. Because you've already gone against, after being in the face of Adam Silver, gone against Adam Silver directly after what he told you that you couldn't do. And you thankfully, you, you were able to get back, play, already served your suspension from your leave off of the team, only got 17, I believe 17 games, just about somewhere along that mark. And now you're about to play again, relatively close to the start of the season. But, mess up again, I don't even know what, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen. I just know it won't be good. Potentially detrimental to your career. And all of your branding deals. And all of your money that you're set to make for the rest of your life. Legitimately. That's what that's what's extinct. Will we see John Morant finally be, get away from everything that was bogging him down, messing him up, outside of the court. Does that? Perfectly fine. Doesn't do that? Hey, a fire that burns brightly can quickly burn out. That's what we could see with John Moran. Hopefully, prayerfully, that's not the case. 
But if it is, and it's for the same reasons, he brought this on himself. And I don't want that to be the case at all. I want to see him thrive and succeed. But if it happens again, he brought this on himself. There's nobody else to blame but him. Nobody else to blame but him. And then finally on this show, we need to cover Victor Wimbenyama. This man has the real potential to break the entire NBA. I've been hesitant to give as much hype. Of course, we've had them before on this show. Been excited for what he can do. Absolutely. Like in summer league and all that stuff. Now, seeing him in preseason, what he's been able to do, get acclimated with this shot, get comfortable with the game speed in the NBA, be able to block threes, play perimeter defense relatively well for somebody his size, and recover, be a great rim protector, shoot the three, shoot the mid-range, hit step backs, be able to be comfortable shooting over anybody and everybody, as well as being able to get to the rack and finish over just about any big man that you put in front of him. Posterizing Thomas Bryant, giving buckets while triple teamed, being athletic, being versatile, being nimble, being smart, while at that size and length. All this stuff that we could be saying about Victor Wimbenyama that we've been saying about him in the past might just be true. It might just, I'm not saying he's going to be better than LeBron. I'm not saying he's going to be the t- a top 10 player in the history of the sport. We ain't going that far. We ain't going that far. What we are going to go is that this man, in terms of the NBA, this season, could be in line to be another great Spurs big man in the lineage of Spurs big men. With artists Gilmore playing there at one point in time, that's what more tried to tell him of his, of his career, but still, Artis Gilmore playing there at one point in time, David Thompson playing there, Tim Duncan playing there, and now Victor Wimbayama potentially being set to be something serious. Because this man is giving everybody fits. I don't know how you guard him. I don't know how you guard him. It's going to be incredibly difficult to, to guard him. I really don't know what to do. Because he can catch lobs over you. He can shoot over you. He's got great footwork and great agility. On big men, he can out. He can just dribble around because he's got great handles for his size. On smaller players, he can just shoot over or just literally euro over if he wants to. He looks like a glitch when he plays on the floor. He looks like it, it, it should, something just does not compute when he plays on the floor. Somebody that big should not be that nimble and that coordinated while having the ability to shoot from mid-range at the ease that he does and shooting the three when he's open with relative consistency. It's something that we've never seen in totality of a package in somebody that big before. Never. Never. This is something really concerning for the rest of the league. And we, we could really be seeing the start of something great for the NBA. We can see the blossoming of a Hall of Fame level career. I'm not saying he's going to be. I'm saying what we are seeing right now looks like the makings of somebody that can be great. But we'll see when actual NBA action starts. Once that happens, then we're going to see whether this man really is about that life. And I hope he is. Because it's going to be so fun to watch. So fun to watch. My goodness. Defense, it's going to be, we're going to see defenses, defenses signing people just to guard Victor Wimbenyama. Similar to what we saw with players signing just big, strong, not really good big men just to have bodies to throw at Shaquille O'Neal. Ruining rosters just to complement or rather compete against one player. Used to be Shaq. Now, it could be Victor Wimbenyama. Very well could be Victor Wimbenyama. It very well could be Victor Wimbenyama that we see teams having to just get bodies to throw at him in order to actually be able to stop him. His ability to contest, be everywhere on the floor, defensively be smart. 
understanding that he doesn't need to jump, so not jumping to block and contest shots. Literally a mountain of a man to have to shoot over. It, ph- phenomenal, man. It's, this is insane to watch. And I can't wait to see it. And I can't wait for tomorrow when the NBA fully gets tipped off underway. And with that being said, this has been another episode of The Watch Report with me, Jean-Luc Welch. I can't wait for the NBAs to get started. It's going to be such a joy to see. We're going to cover it right here on The Watch Report. Keep it locked. Don't get it twisted. We're also going to cover the NFL next episode as the season's getting to its halfway point. Who's in line to be able to be favorites for a title who are the top five teams in the league are the lions now legit have they turned it around completely and much more keep it locked right here on the world report we will be able to cover everything in the world of sports i've been john Gwatch. y'all have been wonderful red is five stars no podcasting platforms leave a like on the video comment thoughts and opinions subscribe to the channel share it with everybody you know so we can build this empire together peace and love we are out of here